listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? All is well and you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Nice. Nice. I mean, I'm maybe a little hungry, you know. I should probably record on a full stomach. <laughs> you never a, know. It's a minor point. It's it is. Point. It's a minor inconvenience for you, but, but everybody maybe, else you know, is Since fine. you asked. Yes. Yeah, indeed. So uh, looking forward to what we're going to be chatting about today. Yeah, you know, like, I guess so much of... Um, uh so much of marketing as marketers we're always talking about new customers right new mm-hmm. leads new 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 it's all about acquisition yep. and mm-hmm. that's important uh no question but we know an awful lot of manufacturers um uh, can really significantly enhance grow their business is simply by um selling more to the customers that they already have yeah and the uh, cross sell is huge yeah and i think it's what i'm excited for today's guest is to kind of shine a light on some of the work he's doing in that regard because i think it's something that you know frankly just a lot of people can benefit from yeah and they're doing it in a really interesting way too you know powering it with marketing automation and yeah you know really getting getting into the weeds with it so it's pretty cool and i must say a really cool company yeah yeah, yeah. the product is neat i can't yeah. to hear about it yeah yeah so i mean it's like you can geek out about the product for probably half a podcast <laughs> not fair to the guests though <laughs> so kevin uh joining us today is kevin must uh corporate marketing and communications manager at cold jet welcome to the cooler ring kevin yeah thank you gentlemen thanks for having me on this morning Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And I, I gotta say, like, I, I'm, I am not blowing sunshine. I think this, like, the idea of like using dry ice to blast stuff is just damn dry cool. ice. Anything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. That's one of the main reasons that uh, that came to the company. You know, seeing the product and everything that they do, all industries that they touch. It's a very fascinating product for sure. Well, why don't you tell us, uh, our listeners, just a bit more about you and and Cold Jet, so people know what we're doing with the dry ice as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for myself, I've been in marketing toward the manufacturing space for a little over five years now. Um, I came from a software company where we developed and sold software to sheet metal fabricators uh, to manage their operations program their CNC cutting machines and just kind of manage their overall uh, materials and requirements for jobs. Um, I started with ColdJet about three months ago now, so still relatively new, um, but the the product is just amazing. So we have essentially two product lines. Um, The first one being our dry ice blasters. So what these machines enable is for people to, to clean parts to say, uh, you know, a plastics um, injection molded, uh, some sort of injection molded bottle where it'll have uh, flashing around the side of it. They can use dry ice and little dry ice pellets uh, to blast the flashing off of it. The unique thing about this is that dry ice is a very soft material, so it won't be abrasive to the surface or, you know, create any uh, markings on the surface or anything of that nature. So it works for a lot of different materials. And essentially what happens is there's a thermo shock that when it hits a surface that has a contaminant on it, um, say there is something that has oil on it or uh, just build up from say a printing press, the cold shock essentially embrittles that and makes it fall off of the substrate. So it's a very unique uh, offering and we're still, it's, it's been around since 1985. Um, but now with more sustainability measures for companies are looking at 
better methods, um, not including sandblasting or water pressure washing to where they're trying to cut down on, um, you know, more of the consumables that they're using. And then our, our second side, so we pretty much touch any industry that needs to clean parts when they're finished or prepare surfaces for finish. Um, and then our, our second business line would be our dry ice production systems. So, um, you know, obviously really hot topic right now is the vaccine distribution and shipment. So we have a very large medical supplier. I'm not sure that I'm able to say their name, unfortunately, um, but that is developing the vaccine and they're looking at a solution um, to essentially dose dry ice into their boxes to ship them. Because as we all know, these vaccines need to be kept at a very cold temperature and dry ice seems for them to fit best uh, into the, the whole global supply chain. Um, liquid nitrogen can be costly and a little more dangerous to handle. So dry ice has very similar properties in the fact that it can keep things very cold for a very long or for about seven days before it sublimates into gas and then needs to be reapplied. So just depending on you know where they're shipping it to, uh, how long the shipping is going to be, they have algorithms that they work out on how much um, how much weight that they need in the box of dry ice. And I believe they even take into account the humidity, the air temperature, and, and all of those things to, to really hone in on how much dry ice needs to be used. Um, and then another sector for us is food home delivery. So as we know, that's blowing up right now. Your you know, um, food boxes that you get delivered to your house that are traditionally using gel packs, they're looking at ways to become more sustainable and dry ice is that solution for them. Really cool. I've got to say, um, I think I was in this like weird talent show in grade five or six, and um, we had heard that dry ice could help make stage fog, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's true. But we had no idea what needed to happen between having dry ice and stage fog. We just knew that we knew a guy that worked at the local hospital that had access to dry ice. So here's my uncle. So my uncle could get me dry ice. So we got a bunch of dry ice. And then we literally blew fans onto the dry ice at the side of the stage, thinking it was going to create stage fog, and it didn't. Yeah, you likely need to drop a little bit of water on it in order to get <laughs> that so fog. Ridiculous. <laughs> but until now, it's like my only interaction, interaction with dry ice. So uh, this is decidedly more pleasant. Look, Kevin. Well, I, and I think, too, you know, when your competitors are in sandblasting and liquid nitrogen, I mean, you know, yeah. you're already you're in the cool stuff <laughs> exactly right, right. right from the get-go. <laughs> I've seen Terminator too. But I don't know how this works. <laughs> but Kevin, you mentioned that the, the fact that technology was pretty interesting, cool, and that was one of the reasons for joining. But I'm also uh, aware that you mentioned this in our lead up to this uh, this conversation that another reason for you joining the firm is that they had such a strong kind of data framework that could help you power uh, your marketing automation program and. Um, and, and help you think about how you could uh, accelerate the business here and actually give you the tools with which to do it. Um, I found that really interesting. I don't. I think probably the first person I've heard of this took a job largely because of the data framework at the organization, which was fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, as a marketer, I never was quite good at math, <laughs> but when it comes to data and kind of analyzing trends, for some reason, my mind and brain work very favorable toward that. Um, so as you mentioned, you know, the um, Coljet is a very, very data-driven company and just continue to grow um, the type of data that we're looking to essentially 
analyze and see how we can best utilize it. Um, so that was a huge thing coming in and seeing how, how segmented our database is and how regimented they are um, with whether it be the product, the industry that, that this particular customer is in, other interests that they've expressed. Um, it, it really helps from a marketing side, especially marketing automation, um, for me to be able to go in and, and create campaigns on cross-sell, upsell, and maybe even just notifying people and educating them of other offerings that Coljet has that they may even have um, as part of their package that they purchased. But, you know, after you get trained and you get into your kind of daily work life six months down the road, some of those ideas or some of those things that you were taught kind of slip through the cracks. Um, so having this greatly segmented database will, helps me as a marketer to send them more information regarding um you know, we know that you have this machine model. Here's some other application nozzles um, that you may be interested in that also fall in your industry that we see other customers of ours within your industry using and you don't have on your account. So here's something that may be of interest to you to look at. Which, of course, sounds easy enough, right? <laughs> but um, I think we've all been in those positions. And you, you know that that's what you need to do. And you know that there's gold in those hills. But yeah. it's also if the data isn't structured in a way that you can actually access it and, 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 and action it, then it's really you're, you're hooped. Um, so I think that's really a, that's a, an exciting thing to kind of walk into in some ways. Yes, it definitely is. Um, very much so. <laughs> it's very helpful. <laughs> well, I think too, you know, as thinking through like what other manufacturing marketers should be thinking about there is, is just, you know, the power that it gives you, you mentioned that you're relatively new in this role, but that the power that it gives you to better understand what you sell, what's most popular, who are the customers, what kinds of industries are they in, you know, like that, seeing that means that you can probably be more effective more quickly than somebody who's coming in and there's, you know, next to nothing or uh, some spreadsheets or, or whatever, you know, it, it enables you to have that, you know, that memory. Almost like better data enabling better orientation for the market yeah. in some way. You yeah. can, actually, you can yeah. hit the ground running and mm -hmm. you don't have to spend eight months planning and trying to figure out what's what and what's mm -hmm. going on. You can actually start running campaigns relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah definitely. Well, look, let's, uh, uh, to the extent that we can, I mean, we don't want to give away all your secrets, but let's peel back a little bit. I mean, what are we, um, what are we doing here in order to um, kind of leverage this data and, and, and drive our cross-sell activity? Yeah, so, um, you know, as I mentioned, since our database is so segmented um, regarding what machine model they have or what industry they're in, um, I'm able to essentially pull this data and automatically generate lists of customers per industry or per machine to then alternately send out email campaigns to them um, and notifying them maybe of best practices from others in their particular industry with that machine, uh, maybe an upgrade of a machine. So for instance, we recently released what's our, our Aero 2 PCS 60 machine for blasting. And the, the one prior to this was the Aero 40 FP. So for those customers that had the Aero 40 FP for, you know, five, 10 years, and they 
maybe you're looking for something a little more intuitive or innovative, we were able to then send campaigns to those specific customers or even the Arrow 80, just any of the Arrow line to say, hey, here's our new offering. Um, here's the benefits over the initial Arrow machine and what you're getting with the new one being connectivity and IoT enablement. So this helps us um, and them to keep their machine running without, you know, if should there be a breakdown, um, traditionally we would have to send a technician on site to go and help them. Now with our new tool and, and being IoT enabled, we have an app that our service teams can virtually connect with them and they can use the camera on their phone or tablet to show our service team what they're seeing or experiencing or hearing and the service team can then better troubleshoot remotely so now it's it's you know obviously keeping their machines up and running longer um, and, and more quickly when they do go down but it's also saving money on the back end for travel expenses and just overall costs of doing business um, so that that's that's really big for us and and this new app called cold jet connect is another offering that we recently released that we're, we're starting to build campaigns around to notify our current customer base, regardless of if they have an IoT enabled machine or not. This is a service platform for them that they can scan a QR code on the machine. It pulls up product documentation, um, training videos, and things of that nature. Uh, as we all know, there seems to be, especially right now, a pretty high turnover when it comes to uh, manufacturing operators. So we wouldn't want to send someone on site every six months or one year for training if it's for basic type of training that a video could suffice. Um, so that, that's that's kind of one thing that, that we're really using this for is um, the, the upsell to a new machine or even just education of, hey, we, we have this new offering. Um, you can train your employees without us coming on site. You can fix your machines without us coming on site. Um, and then that kind of just helps the customer. It's all it's all about customer being customer centric and making sure that they're getting the most out of our machines. Kevin, I, who wants to go first here, Jeff? <laughs> well, I, I, you go ahead. Well, I was just like, man, like we're one and a half months, two months into the role, right? Like it's early days uh, to be pulling together, uh, uh, you know, something of this uh, level of complexity. Um, I, I'm I'm curious how. how uh, like ha has a lot of the there's a lot of the kind of content to power this already in place like industry specific content that can uh, be used in those industry specific lists and things of that nature or are you kind of having to um, uh, build that as you go um, luckily it's already in place we have a very strong and active sales team um, not only in the US but globally that we have different methods for them when they do go on site to do a demo or go on site as an annual service call just to you know meet up with their customers, see how they're doing. Um, they, they do a great job of making any documentation, whether it be photos, videos, um, what their benefits that they've seen have been and increases in uh, overall operational efficiencies, then they submit that through us. So we have a huge archive. Uh, I mean, probably like 900 of these. So there's plenty of information for me. <laughs> it's now a matter of going through all of it and, and kind of picking out the ones that seem most effective, essentially. 
Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. Kevin, you've been burying the lead here. Um, <laughs> if, um, if we could just tell our listeners how to get a sales team to do what you just described, I think we'd probably we can monetize the damn podcast <laughs> um well it's uh, that's that's astonishing to yeah. me um you know we've literally interviewed people on this show who um have sent parts into space um and didn't take a picture of them before they, <laughs> before sent they left them. <laughs> i'm not one. joking <laughs> one of the things that was it so it's just that's that's amazing to yeah. me um, but it's a great example of you know if you can if you can crack that nut yeah. if you can find it will a way, pay dividends yeah. forever. That's great. And actually, that kind of leads into the question that I had for you earlier because you were talking about you know with the the amount of turnover that a lot of manufacturing operators have and all that and you know having training available as well as having um, repair guides available directly on the machine and kind of leveraging that content. One of the other things that you're actually doing there is you're really targeting a number of different personas in that in that buying group. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that's really interesting about that is that, you know, not only do you have great data about who has what machine and clearly great content in order to power that, but it, it's, I think this is a lesson for a lot of people that, you know, it, it's not just about the engineer that's going to be choosing that machine to go into a, you know, an application process, you know, there are implications and other people that are going to have a role in that. And if you can prove that you are better able to um, serve all different parts of the manufacturing organization, I have to think that that can come through in your messaging too. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of part of the, you know, the, the sales process that has been put in place here at Coaljet um, that, that everybody follows very strictly and and they've seen that it works. I mean, we're, we're doing a fantastic job this year um, over last year and even last year was a great year for Coaljet um, with, you know, all things being equal, if you will. I know it's been a, a wild ride these past two years, obviously, but um, the, the company's growth has just been fantastic. And I, I think it can, uh, most of it can be attributed to the very thought out sales process that we have here and how sales and marketing play together. Um, you know, we, we've seen it and I'm sure you've heard it from plenty of other ones where, you know, the sales team wants all this stuff and marketing is like, well, is it practical and vice versa? Marketing wants things from sales and, you know, sometimes they don't play along as nicely as they should. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there's been a really great culture built here in Coljet that we're all in this as a team. And, you know, if, if you help us, we help you and, and kind of vice versa as well. That's fantastic. One of the places that you've really seen the power of this data and content and everything else come to life is your approach to trade shows. And as more and more manufacturers are getting back into in-person trade shows, as well as virtual trade shows, I'd love to hear a bit about what you're doing at Coaljet to, uh, to power that and make that work. 
Yeah, so I mean, this this year we've been pretty light on trade shows. Um, we are attending the Amerimold show at, toward the end of September up outside of Chicago. Um, so this is for the the plastics industry, essentially, and plastic molders. But in the past, and in again, I can't really speak to the historical um, trade show events that they have been to in the past. But from my previous role, I know you know when you go to a trade show, you can get the scanner. And you can scan uh, the attendees QR code on their badges and it has a lot of awesome information on it, whatever their timeline is for purchasing, their budgets, their, their, where they stand in the decision making process. And that's all fantastic information. The issue is it's not connected with our marketing automation platform. So now at the end of the day or the end of the show, we have to pull these lists, upload them to the marketing automation platform, and then be able to set our campaigns to send emails. So one thing that I'm testing and, and that we're looking to implement for the Amerimold show, since it's a little bit smaller of a show and it seems a little counterintuitive, but I know that people are doing this still um, without the scanners. They'll collect a business card, staple it to a piece of paper, and then fill in notes on that piece of paper. And then next week when they get back from the show, that's kind of part of their um, cleanup from the show, if you will, to manually input all of this data, all of these contacts into their marketing automation platform. So what we're testing is a business card scanner. So instead of using the QR code scanner that's on their badge, which has an immense amount of information, we're looking at just also collecting business cards from people, from visitors to our booth, scanning it into the app, and then through some rules and workflows that I've set up, um, once it gets scanned, it'll automatically enroll them into a list for that show for that day. So if it's day one, they get put into the list for day one attendees and then say 7.45 p.m. that night, 6.45 p.m. that night, uh, an email blast will go out to all those attendees that visited us that day saying thank you for stopping by. If you have any further questions, we'll be here the rest of the week. Um, feel free to stop by. So as we all know, there's always this clutter after you get back from a trade show that next Monday or Tuesday, everybody's sending emails. So now I've got 50 emails from the trade show. How many of them get open and read? Probably very few. <laughs> so we're looking at if we can engage them that same day, will that, you know, we're the first ones in the mailbox to them. Will that keep us top of mind when they go home or when they come back the next day, um, being a capital equipment expense and purchase, they, they want that kind of face-to-face -face and, and more reassurance that, you know, this, this company really is uh, the leader in their industry and in this particular product line. I don't really, um, I know it's funny because you, you can approach it on the one end. It's like almost, uh, let's avoid this post-show work, right? It's <laughs> annoying to have to do after and all that. And it's a good motivator. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that human psychology is at play with the buyers too, right? I mean, when they're there at the trade show for that two or three days or whatever it is, they're focused and that's what they want to mm. be doing. And they, they're, 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 that's, you know, they've, they've taken that time out of the schedule to, to be on their game for that thing at that time. Um, and then, of course, when they get home, just like you guys, you know, you, you get other stuff you need to do. Um, so do the buyers. And they, yeah. you know, and uh, I love this notion of, of starting the automation, starting the email, getting that, um, uh, building that relationship at a time when they're focused on it yeah. at the show. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think that's going to pay huge dividends for it. 
Yeah. And we have to remember, you know, if they're gone for three or four days and not at their desk or not really keeping up on email, not only are they coming back to all these trade show emails, but they're also coming back to their daily work emails. Um, so, you know, again, how can we engage them at the show while they're still at the show and in that mindset of research and maybe even purchasing? Um, that, that's the ultimate goal, right, is to have someone sign a PO on the, on the show floor, <laughs> which with capital equipment, that's, you know, easier said than done, obviously, because they're, uh, it's, it's not like a $10 purchase. <laughs> I hope you have a bell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Everybody starts running towards the cold chip booth. <laughs> it's a, I just think it's a really, um, it's a really uh, nice use of technology uh, uh, to help enable um, kind of the way humans want to work anyway. So, yeah. so, so often we're, you know, some, sometimes it feels like we're pushing technology or forcing yeah. its use into a place where it isn't necessarily maybe even welcomed. But in this instance, you know, it makes total sense to me. I think so too. One of the questions I have about it, because obviously you must still gather the data from the QR code on the badge, eh? Because yes. you'd be crazy not to. Just so, just so we're clear, Kevin, <laughs> yeah. A was a Canadian way of asking a question. <laughs> but I mean, like you'd be crazy not to give up on that you know, potential sales data and, and other things. I, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of the trade show um, presenters and, and uh, organizers, you know, what they're trying to do is to get you to be using their application and, and accessing the data from within that so that they can, you know, monetize your your use of their platforms and, and, uh, and all of that. But I have to think that there's there's a real business case for them to open that data a little bit and, and really enable the people who are attending the trade shows to leverage leverage it rather than trying to keep it in you know their own format and everything. Eh? Yeah, I've reached out to a few of those companies for the scanner apps and uh, kind of crickets, if you will, <laughs> asking <laughs> them, you know, how can how can we implement this or integrate it um, with our with our marketing automation platform? And you know, they they kind of hold that close to their chest, which. I get it because then they're looking at it as will this make me obsolete almost. Um, but but the reason this one came about, especially this show that we're going to, we're part of. Um, it's called Tool Room Live. So there's five other um, presenters or, or um, exhibitors in this space. So we have like three different scanners, from what I gather, and they're all kind of we're all using it within that booth. So someone may stop by one booth and they get scanned, but they may not be a lead for us. So this is a way to kind of do a dual validation because we'll get all the leads from everybody that comes into Tool Room Live. But did all of them stop by our booth? Well, you know, we don't really know. You talk to hundreds of people throughout the week. It's really hard to go back through and be like, yeah, I remember talking to them, 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 and them. Where if we collect the business cards, now we can validate okay, we have the full list with all that information that was behind the QR code. Um, here's the list of business cards that we scanned. So we know that these were the visitors to our booth. And now we can start pulling that data um, from, from the QR code as well and putting it into their user profile or contact profile. That's really yeah, cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it must... It's, again, it's just all about having a place to put that data that actually allows you to leverage it mm. and organize it in a way that makes sense. 
And is the, uh, is the corporate data that you're leveraging beyond the trade shows just in general, is it mostly just in a CRM now? Is it by an ERP connection into your marketing automation platform? How? Um, so, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so our ERP is going to be more on once the order is placed and it turns to a sale, then they can start accounting for you know how much it costs to build the product and, and how much time it's going to take and scheduling. Uh, from the CRM side, though, we use sales logics for our CRM and quoting and all that. So essentially what's happening is there's a, a one-way communication push from sales logics to HubSpot, which we're using for marketing automation. Um, so then from there, and the reason we do the one-way push is we don't want HubSpot writing to sales logics because we want to use only one of them as our master source of information. Um, and kind of how our forms work on the website, they push through sales logics first. So with this, then with that information being pushed over to HubSpot, we can even take a look at deals that are created. Um, if there's a quote that's been outstanding for you know 120 days and, and then start really looking at automation of how can we nudge these forward? Um, you know, what does it take to get this person over the hill? They've been sitting on this quote for 120 days. Why? Um, is it because communication fell off? They're still unsure. Maybe we can send a white paper to them to really uh, push their decision-making process to the approval instead of the the you know decline for this. Essentially, I think it really speaks to the you know this is a constant thing with marketing technology these days. Is how are you going to integrate these systems? Because they're you know, although they can talk to each other, they don't necessarily talk to each other and they don't necessarily talk to each other in the directions that you want them to. So, you know, so having having um, synchronization tools and, and data alignment tools and all of that is as big a concern when, you know, implementing a MarTech stack as complex as this one as the tools themselves. Mm, yeah, so, keep, keeping up with the integration requirements over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, and we'll be testing here soon, uh, like meeting links and, and things of that nature too. So just being able to get in front of a prospect in any medium that they feel most comfortable with. Um, you know, a lot a lot of people within the, the manufacturing space are fine picking up the phone and just giving a call to learn more information. However, you know, generationally, is that going to change? Are we going to see people actually want to schedule out a time three days from now so it's on their calendar and they can set aside a half hour to really make sure that they're fully vested into this communication. Um, so, so that's another thing, you know, we're, we're looking at implementing um, scheduling on a calendar for pretty much a pre-qualification call or an introductory call with our inside sales staffs. So and that way um, the, the prospect can get a little better understanding of what our product can do, what applications it's for, and then before we go ahead and send them along to the salesperson, we can pre-qualify them. So that way the salesperson is uh, making the best use of their time. Well, I think you're skating to where the puck is going there for sure. I mean, certainly anybody under 40 or so thinks you're a psychopath if you want to have a phone call that's not <laughs> scheduled. Um, I just phone them. It's like it's the equivalent of doing the drop by. It's like dropping by somebody's home for a visit back in the 80s or whatever. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it's really uh, interesting to hear how Coljet is evolving that sales organization using 
um, uh, uh, I guess, you know, additions to the marketing automation platform, frankly, to help enable it. And yeah. uh, it's really cool. Um, well, Kevin, I could uh, probably, you know, we could keep talking about this for another <laughs> hour or so, but I think uh, uh, this has been fantastic. I really thank you for joining us on the show today. It's been fun to um, to kind of get a, a, a practical um, insight into uh in, into your use of uh, of the of the technology and and just kind of how you're bringing it to life, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate you all having me on the show today, um, and I look forward to chatting with you guys more. Maybe uh, if we're ever at a trade fair together in the future, come on by and, and see the Cold Jet booth and we come by and get our business card scanned. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we can roll that... you, you all into a list. Yeah, Indeed. finally get that dry ice you've always wanted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about the stage fog after yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>